everybody, and welcome to our Golf Only Better podcast, our Masters preview. Delighted as ever to be joined by Ben Coley and Dave Tyndall as we look ahead to the first major of the season. Chaps, so welcome. Uh, good to speak to you again. First of all, let's just set the scene a little bit. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be going on, flying out on Sunday. I'm very excited. I cannot wait. Just set the scene a little bit in terms of the Masters, Ben, first of all, for you. What, what does it mean when this time of year comes around and we gear up and get excited for everything that normally unfolds at Augusta National? Well, I'm grateful you asked me that as the one one of the three of us who's not actually ever been there. Um, if anyone does want to take me, that'd be fantastic. But no, look, um, <laughs> I, I think it goes without saying almost that the the iconography, the, the fact that we go to the same course every year and the fact that I, I think we sometimes forget that, I mean, for me, it is probably the best golf course in the world, if not in the top three or four. So I, I think we forget that. I mean, uh, there's a quote going around this week that without the Masters, it'd just be any other golf course. I, I think that's total nonsense. It's a fabulous mm. golf course. Um, and it's so easy to cling to all of those memories. And actually in my piece that um, will be out on Monday, I, I write about that, that you can you can picture a shot on every hole, absolutely every hole, even the ones that we haven't seen that much of down the years uh, due to broadcast restrictions and stuff. So uh, it's fantastic. And, and now the viewing experience is brilliant, pretty much from when the first uh, balls are struck, we can we can watch some of it. Um, it's four days of fabulous sport. And we've waited nine months since uh, Cam Smith won the Open for the next men's major. So uh, that just intensifies it further. Yeah, doesn't get much closer to perfection than these next four days. Absolutely. Dave, I'm sure you'll agree. And that's a good point. You know, it's such a long time since the last major championship. It seems to have been a long winter as well. I think everybody is eagerly anticipating the next four days. But in a nutshell, Dave, what does the Masters mean to you? Well, yeah, I love it. I mean, if you look here. Oh, look at this. Yes, there we go. If, if they don't use the camera, Dave's got a Masters T-shirt on. Yes, there you go. <laughs> uh, that's what I did. Um, and I, I don't have a, a USPGA equivalent T-shirt, so um, kind of shows you where, what I think of the two. Um, yeah, it, it's unbelievable. I, I'm lucky to have been to four of them. Off the telly, it's magnificent watching it off the telly. When you go there, it's like you've walked through the TV screen and you're there and you can't quite believe it. But as Ben says, it's it's just knowing all the shots. It Even, I don't know, maybe some people will, will know St Andrews like the back of the hand, but... I can't really picture every shot at St Andrews. Um, you know, a fair few of them, obviously. But then beyond that, you know, the other open courses, you know some holes, but Augusta, you just know it, don't you? You know it like yeah. the back of your hand. The familiarity is so magnificent. And yeah, I agree with Bennett. What a course. It's just a fabulous course. It's beautifully designed. Possibly the 18th hole is the only one that you think, oh, if only that was a bit better. But, you know, um, you've had a, a fantastic ride until then. And yeah, and just the fact that we've waited and and you know since the Open used to be the USPGA for it to come round and, and and we go into this one as it seems we always do with so many top players in great form. Absolutely, a little extra edge with obviously the live players competing. We'll all we'll all be seeing them teeing up alongside each other at the year's first major. But anyway, we don't need to get into that. Let's have a look at. A little overview. When we look at the top three, and guys, I know we spoke about this regarding the players. I think it's been brilliant to see, you know, the top three in the world kind of dominate. The match play was a great watch. Uh, we've got Scotty Sheffer going in um, trying to defend that green jacket. But let's just have a look at the big three. Rory, Scotty and John Rahm. Do you, Ben, do you kind of see those three up there again, given the form that they've been in this, this year? 
Yeah, yeah, I think you have to. I, I think one of the things about the Masters from a purely betting perspective is you've got a small field, uh, you've got very generous place terms, I think 8, 10 or 12 with, with Betfair this week on the sports book. And you've got maybe, you know, if you were being generous, 50 potential winners, probably about 20. Um, so if you were being really level-headed about it, you could actually make a very good case for backing all three of those 12 places probably two if not three of them will be in the top 12 one of them might win (laughs) it's dull it's not how I want to do it it's not why I'm interested in it from a betting perspective but um, for some people that will be the right way to do it I think they're each of them very very hard to to crab I I know the last month hasn't gone how John Rahm would have planned it he's obviously had a sickness Mm -hmm. bug and then got knocked out of the match play but I wouldn't worry too much on that it might actually have helped him to have had a little quiet run after the the way he started the year I think Rory's got everything in place. I really do. Uh, equipment changes, uh, an early season win, but not right on the eve of the match. You know, imagine if he'd have won the match player. It'd be yeah. fever pitch, wouldn't it? Uh, and then you've got Scheffler. I think we'd talk about how difficult this is to defend, especially the first time. But if anyone can do it, it's him. The, the guy who, between the most important shots of his life, will have a little chat about what he had for breakfast the day before. It just He just has the demeanour of someone who can deal with it. Um, so they're three who are so hard uh, to imagine playing poorly. Perhaps one of them will. The idea that none of them are in the mix come Sunday, I find very, very hard to believe. I also like the fact, I think, the the motivation and the kind of that rivalry between the three at the top, I think it's become a bit of a talking point that they've kind of been head and shoulders above the rest. I think I think it's I think it's great for us to see, but I think it's helped that all three of them individually as well. Uh, Dave, why put the case forward as to why this is Rory's time to hopefully go on and, and, and win the career Grand Slam. He's, we know what this would mean to him, but put the case forward as to why this could be his year. Yeah, I mean, it's so long, isn't it? I, I start to add up the years. I mean, it's nine years since he won a major. We think of when Tiger won in 2019. It seemed like from a completely different era that he'd won the previous one. And yet Rory's gap is getting towards that same level, isn't it? Rory's nine years. Tiger was 11 when he ended his streak. So you just got to think he, he's put himself there so often that at some point he might just get the odd break that that he hasn't got in other majors, and this one as well, that, that somehow it'll, it'll be his time. And I, th- I think Jack Nicholas always used to say, put yourself there and then if anyone else messes up, then you're, you're the man. I mean, Nicholas was 19-time major runner-up, wasn't he? He won 18, but runner-up in 19. He was always there. So McElroy is always there, more so than anybody really. So you'd think at some point that the cars will just fall his way. And just looking at his play this year, there's so much good. Maybe the one doubt was his putting, but then you look how he performed under the gun in quite a few matches in the, in the match play. And he was holding the putts that you needed to do. I thought that was a really good sign that he he, had a bit of a tinker with the putter and he was getting results straight off the bat. So yeah, I mean, the, the only sort of negatives for Rory is the scar tissue argument, isn't it? That he's been there too many times and there's too many demons in his head. But if you take that out, if you can take that out, many people say you can't, then in terms of what he's done this year and general body of work on the course, he must have a massive chance. Absolutely. And you're right. The equipment changes, I think, you know, the shorter shaft and the driver as well. I think that's significant. Then just a quick follow up on Rory on that. Do you, do you not think the pressure and expectation, he's, he's had to deal with this for a long time now heading into Augusta. He's a, he's a better player, clearly, but 
how much more mature do you think Rory is and able to deal with that pressure and expectation now in his what early 30? Yeah, I mean, you are talking to Rory's number one fan here, so this is not necessarily biased reporting you're going to get. But I, I will say this, to be a permanent fixture in the world's top 15 for 14 years now, and to be nine years coming back in search of what is golfing immortality, I think it'd be the sixth player ever to do the career Grand Slam, to keep coming back, to, to come back from what happened at the Open last year when he really should have won the Open and the putts just didn't drop. Uh, on that back nine. I mean, for all the world, he looked like he'd win the Open. To come back from that and win the FedEx Cup and to win again on the DP World Tour starting this year and to be have a spring in his step again, to come back from Port Rush in 2019 and win the FedEx Cup that year, I think sometimes we get a bit flippant about the mental strength that Rory McIlroy has. He's not just an awesome golfer. He's a sportsman who is perfect for golf in some ways, and Scheffler would be perhaps even a better example of it. But he he can just get back on his feet. He knows that this is not a simple sport where the best player um, will eventually have their turn. He knows he's not guaranteed to win the Masters. And I almost think, yeah, we could say he's had nine goes at this. Or I think it will be his ninth go at winning the career Grand Slam. In some ways, maybe it gets easier each time. Maybe the pressure is less now that, that you've got Scheffler and John Rahm. Um, the one thing he needs, Sarah, is, is a fast start. He's not had that mm. since 2018 at Augusta. He shot level par or worse, his last four visits. He's been, he was completely out of it after about seven holes uh, in 2020 and managed to finish in the top 10. Obviously, he had that flying finish for second. Remember him saying last year it was the happiest he's felt on a golf course uh, when he when he holed out from the from the side of the 18th hole. So he, he's got loads in his favour. I think it's very hard to argue that he should be favourite for this tournament because of who Scotty Scheffler is and what he's achieved. But... Um, to keep him out of the top 10, I think it'd be very, very difficult. So I can understand why he's right at the top of the betting. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, look, let's talk more about the betting and the Betfair offer. Betfair giving you the choice for this year's Masters, paying either 8, 10 or 12 places on each way bets. Uh, people at home can choose with those prices varying accordingly. Now, that offer will go live on Sunday, everybody. So do get involved. Uh, in terms of the exchange, the home of best value and in-play prices, and so a lot to look forward to for the year's first major championship. And Dave, just a word on your advice to, to people listening in terms of the best way to play those markets. What would you say? Well, from personal experience, um, I remember last year in the US Open, I, I tipped um, Seamus Power at 100 to 1. And I, and I chose the 12 places. I think I could maybe have got 125 for 10. But I went with the 12. And literally, he was hanging around 12th all week. And on the back, it was literally... I was just refreshing. Is he going to? And he was just outside, and he was just above. And then he parred in. He parred the last few holes to to finish tied twelve. So I got, you know, half my stake. And I was so happy that I picked that market. So I think if you've backed an outsider, and um, say you've backed eight or ten, and they finish eleventh, you've 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 not got reward for some sort of clever thinking. You, you've, you've put your money down on someone who you think is going to play well and to get nothing back. So I would always try and get a reward from it. So I would always veer towards 12, 12 places. I mean, there's a trade-off how far low you go down in the prices. but And again, it depends on your mentality as well. I like to get a return. So I would always favour the, the bigger odds as long as you're not trading too much of the price. But... Just from personal experience, that time with Seamus Power, I was just so happy that um, what became 
Um, well, it turned it into a winning week. It was, you know, I didn't, I wasn't anywhere near getting the winner, but it became a winning week because I had those 12 places. Fantastic. Ben, for you, I know you alluded to it a little bit at the top of the pod there. What's the play for you regarding those each way bets, but also a little line on the exchange as well? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the general rule is that the fewer places you take, the better value you get, but it's not necessarily true in these tournaments when you've got really mature markets that know most of the things you need to know about the golfers. There's so much money going to be going into the exchange. So the idea, you know, on a, on a normal week for a Valero Texas Open, you might you might be snaring some really good value if you know your stuff. But in the Masters, you just have to accept that this is a really mature market. And as Dave said, I think it depends a little bit who, who you're backing, right? If you, you're going to have a big each way bet on Rory McIlroy, then, you know, you might get a point bigger and, and fewer places. Really, you're in that to win, right? You'd, you're not making a lot on the place part. If you're backing someone like Minwoo Lee or Ryan Fox, and you're thinking, look, I just think these might give me a run for my money, um, then the more places is bound to appeal more for the smaller staking punter in particular, but anyone who really is taking more of a chance. As for the exchanges, uh, I think you've just, if you're entering that market, obviously win only, you're going to get bigger prices. So again, uh, the further up the market you go, the more that would interest me. Um, You know, someone, let's say like a Justin Thomas, you might at the time we're speaking, you might get close to 30 on the exchange. You might only get 20 with the places. So uh, all factors to consider. But if you are playing on the exchanges, be ready to uh, trade during the back nine because they do say where that's where the Masters begins. Unfortunately, it's not been true the last three. It's kind of been yeah. almost over by then. But obviously, it began at the 12th hole when Tiger won it. And uh, I think we're due a renewal like that. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Plenty of drama down the stretch at this year's uh, Masters. Okay, look, guys, we're going to get on to the sort of the quick fire views and look at the 10 leading players in the betting. But before that, it is time for Dave's very important trends piece where he looks at some of the stats, look at some of the key players, but works out who is going to come out on top and slip on that green jacket. Dave, tell us how you came to that conclusion and who did come out on top. Yes, so um, I've got 10 categories um, to put the field uh, through. So uh, they are age, world ranking, Masters appearances, best Masters finish, defending champion, low Masters round, recent form, recent major form, strokes gained around the green and strokes gained approach. So it used to be that had anyone failed in any of those categories, I would just eliminate them completely, but it seemed a bit harsh. So what I did last year was I started allocating points based on frequency. So, for example... This is a really strong trend. So nine of the last 10 Masters winners had had a top six in one of the, in the, in the majors in one of the previous two years. So anyone who hadn't last year would have just, so two years ago, would have got eliminated. This time um, they would get a point because one person, one recent winner hadn't played well in the, in the uh, recent majors. One, one, the one that got me was the defending champion. Now, Scotty Scheffler has scored brilliantly across all these categories, but the defending champion, and this is incredible, really. So since 2007, only one defending champion has finished in the top 10. And that's astonishing, isn't it? You would have thought that you would have had a fifth, a third, that would have been challenging. But no, if you're the defending champion, you've got a woeful record. The only one who went anywhere near was Spieth. But, you know, Bub has been terrible defending, um, Adam Scott, you name it, you go through them. They, they just go back the following year, and they're no good. And I, I don't know. I thought about is it is it because they get in a bit of a faff about the the 
champions menu and all the extra you know media dues they've got to do i don't do you have a theory sarah i think uh, it's surprising isn't it i didn't realize i didn't realize that's that at all i think for me probably just you know the magnitude of the achievement and going back and yeah the traditions everything that comes with winning the masters and like you said going back to the champions dinner and just it probably hits them doesn't it they've had that last year to celebrate being a master champion but when they go back it's like you walk through the gates and it's like oh my god I did this I achieved this and it probably it's almost like you were almost enjoying and soaking up and taking in that week as defending champion probably affects them on the golf course it's crazy stat though Ben what about you I, I do think it comes with, I know everyone has their own choices and I'm sure loads of golfers, particularly those from Britain and Ireland would have grown up wanting to win the open. And I'm not in any way trying to undermine the open, which I love, but of all the prizes for winning a major, getting to come back every year until you want, you know, until you decide enough's enough. I think that's such a massive prize. And I think that, that probably does hit you when you walk back into that room. You remember now, aren't you? You're you're part of a very, very exclusive club. Somehow it feels the most exclusive club in golf. And I know exclusivity is not always a good thing, but in terms of when you've achieved it in that way, it, it can be. Um, and I think, I know, Dave, you mentioned when you've been before, it's just like, you know, you get you get thrown out for running, don't you? So, you know, yeah. so you know, the the idea as a defending champion, you don't want to you don't want to be the one who does the wrong thing or doesn't hang the jacket in the right place. I don't know what the rules are, but yeah, yeah just I it would be such a big occasion for anybody. Yeah. I mean obviously last year Scotty Sheffley, he just wins the tournament and then suddenly he goes to the butler cabinet. All these things, yeah. these traditions start coming at him. Now he's gonna go back and he's he can't just go back with the freedom that he was there last year. He's got all these other things to, I've got to do that bit right, or I need to go there then. And I don't know, it's just a lot going on maybe. I know he seems to have a magnificent temperament, but you could probably say that about a lot of them who have won down the years and they've gone back and not done so great. So, yeah, that was one where he he fell down on. The, um, the one that measures kind of how the shape of the game is now, strokes gain around the green and strokes gain approach, um, so what I did there was I put them into bands. So if, if you if you're ranked in the top 25 for strokes gain around the green, which I think we all agree is a really important thing at Augusta, with all those shaved runoff areas and you're often chipping back from 70, 80 yards away. If you're a top scrambler, top 25, you get the full points, and then if you're 26 to 50th, you get the next grade down, and so it goes down. I mean, th- this is one where John Rahm really didn't score well on last year. I think he was 168th. The strokes gained around the year, uh, around the green last year. This time he's in the top 20. So his points have really been bumped up in that area. But anyway, to the big reveal. So I put them all through these 10 statistical character uh, categories. I think you can score a maximum of 76. Anyway, the man who scored a near perfect 75 was Jordan Spieth. He beat McElroy by a point with Xander Schaffelet in third. I don't know how these things usually work out there, but 75 out of 76 seems pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, surely they don't usually get like 99.5% of the, the no, total it, possible figure. That's that's quite impressive. It, his only one where he doesn't absolutely tick every past uh, trend or category is strokes gained approach. I think he's 40-odd. So he's not in that 1 to 25 top band, but, you know. Which would be about 0.05 strokes per round yes. with his approaches. So. Yes. But yeah, but around the green, he's bang up there. So 
yeah, and he's got all those, the other things. I mean, it's surprising how well you need to do to win the Masters. Seven of the last 10 Masters winners had already had a top five there. So to, to win it from nowhere, you know, there's a, a lot of people will be, will be making the case for people like Max Homer, Sam Burns, Cameron Young, but they've got nothing. They've got nothing in the bank in, in terms of Augusta. So the history suggests they're up against it. I always do when, with Masters whenever it comes around. I'm always looking at uh, look at course form from pre- who's done well there in the past, and I absolutely look at that. Even if yeah, even if you've got a young guy who's maybe been playing well this season or last few weeks, uh, you always look at what they've done. Course history. I always remember Shane Lowry. Sorry, Sarah. I, I remember Shane Lowry saying when he. Um, I might have read this in your piece, Dave. Actually, as a little reminder. So if I did, I'm sorry, I'm stealing it. But he when he he made the cut, I think by a shot in 2020, and of course got to play with Tiger at the weekend. And he said, "This is just it's just training. It's for mm-hmm. next time, you know." It's um, and obviously Cam Young, as Dave said, he only played two rounds last year, and they went horribly. So it's a big, big thing to overcome that. And also, you see guys, you know, guys in the past, you know, being for practice rounds with Freddie Couples and picking the brains of guys who've been there, done it, won around there, and it's all the nuances, isn't it? I mean, who's the uh, what's he called? The um, Mark- Jeff Knox. Jeff Knox. Yeah. Jeff Knox, yes. I mean, you would, wouldn't you? You'd be like, head up there. You know, Rory played, didn't he, the other week? He, um, it was documented at the match play how well he played. Fifty-four holes, putted the light. Well, I think nineteen putts, didn't he? And uh, he played great. But you know, to pick the brains of a Jeff Knox and you know, learn how to get work your way around. So yeah, good stuff, Dave. Like that. So Jordan Spieth, um, Ben, just quickly a line for you on on why Spieth again. It's interesting. He- Dave said he's got one thing he doesn't quite tick the trends box. I think he's got one question to answer as well, which is beating the world's best players because it's been six years since he did that. When he won the RBC Heritage, yeah, he beat Cantlay and Shane Lowry, but they weren't all there. And when he won in Texas, I think he beat Matt Wallace and Charlie Hoffman. The the slight worry for me is he should have won at Bay Hill. And all of a sudden, his driver went missing and he started missing five-foot putts. I know very well because I can remember every moment of that horrible two-hour spell in which he threw away the tournament. Um, and then in the Valspar, he's he's swiped one off the 16th tee into water and that's game over. I mean, made a fabulous bogey. That's him, isn't it? So I suppose it depends on how much you believe Augusta covers that gap because there is no doubt. I, I've written in my profiles, he will win a big event again. And the most likely place to do it is Augusta. But it's just been a long time. Not quite as long as Rory, but um, Rory has, of course, beaten world-class fields. um, And Jordan's not done that for six years. So uh, that's the big question for me. But he's got an obvious chance, yeah. There's a a funny little thing, isn't there, doing the rounds as well, that um, this year the Masters falls on Easter Sunday. Yeah. He loves Easter Sunday, doesn't he? he's, He's won the last two events on an Easter Sunday. So as a man of God that he is... And a chocoholic. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> loves Easter eggs, loves God. So So it's all pointing towards Jordan Spieth, everybody. And you heard it here first with the with Dave's trends piece. Good stuff. Look, let's guys, let's have a look at the sort of the top ten players in the betting. Um, a bit of a quick fire sort of round, if you like. We're gonna look at the for and against, and then at the end of the pod, we're gonna have a look at a couple of um long shots for the week. So Ben, Rory. For and against your reasons why and why not? The case for, I really like his preparation. Low key, but productive. Third place in the match play. Beat Scheffler. That's no, you know, I wouldn't underestimate the value of that. Taking an inch off his driver shaft, that worked. He's got titleist wedges in the bag. That's worked. He's got the putter 
or a very similar putter to the one he won his majors with. Everything about his performance last year suggests that he could come back this year and win it. If there's a doubt, it has to concern how he played on the back nine at St. Andrews last year. But I think he has got an exceptional chance. I really do. And uh, like many of us, you know, this is a betting podcast and we're here to try and find the, the value and, and some some interesting angles. The one thing I wish for this week is Rory McIlroy to win. And it's as good a chance as he's had probably since the 2020 edition, I think. Um, but actually his game wasn't in as good a place then. Um, I've gone on too long. Rory to win. Yep. <laughs> Dave, agree? He's got a massive chance, hasn't he? That, I think that that second place last year when he, he chipped in and did that sort of strange warrior two yoga move, which seemed a bit odd. Um I'm impressed with you know the yoga moves, Dave. I'm more impressed I with don't that know. than yeah, celebration. Yeah. The, the only thing that I think the only genuine realistic thing you can have against him is just the, the weight of history and that it could get into his head again. But that's the only thing, only negative. Yeah. Ben Scotty Scheffler, for and against. I think he's got the best demeanour, uh, the best chance to defend. And I know it's a bit sort of back, you know, fitting it afterwards but if you if you compare him with anybody in terms of golf iq um the most recent champion with the same sort of level would be spieth and spieth of course should have defended this he it was the year danny willett won and uh spieth was one good swing from defending so yeah i, I think he'll be right there and i don't think that will be the reason he doesn't win and dave for you the case for and against scotty yeah well, one of the i mean the obvious case ben has said he's just fabulous temperament if you look at down the down the years a lot of major winners are a bunch of them quickly. Harrington went bum 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 fairly quick. Um, Brooks Kepka did the same. Won them in a little bunch. I just wonder if we're now in the Scottish Scheffler win them in a little bunch, and this would be an obvious way to get his second one. The negative, just that defending champion historical stat. If if you're going to nail your colours to that, but but yeah, again a massive chance. We talked at top of the top of the pod, Ben John Rahm. I, I kind of feel he is going in under the radar. You, you said the sickness bug, and then the hasn't quite had his best stuff. That could help him. Do you think it will? Again, the reasons why and the reasons why not. Only real negative would be that last, how the last month's gone. But as you say, it could work for him um, in a strange way. Um, And obviously he's played his worst finish at Augusta is 27th. That was both last year and on his first visit. Every chance. It just, the short game sort of appeared to go missing a bit in Austin. Um, And I just worry about, the short putts a little bit all of a sudden they obviously were all going in in January uh, they weren't when when last we saw him so I think he's probably the third most likely winner um, but uh, none of us would be surprised if he if he did it Dave the case for Ron yeah I mean obviously it looks like a course he should do well and w- one little interesting stat on Ram, he's never been within six shots centering the final round I was surprised when I looked at that he's never been close um so he's never gone in thinking this is mine to lose. He's all his six back is the best he's ever been. So you could argue that two ways. You could argue that he's got no scar tissue and that you know he's never lost one that he should have won. On the other hand, is why has he never been closer than six shots after 54 holes? Is maybe the course not quite for him? Is that is there the odd mistake that he throws in? So yeah, I agree with Ben. He would be my third favorite out of the, those top three. Perfect. Next in the betting, Jordan Speed. Kind of feel like we've covered him. So if you guys are happy, we'll move on to Patrick Cantley. Um, ben, why Cantley for the Masters? I think the biggest 
plus for Cantlay is that I, he's been prolific on the PGA Tour over the last three years. And I think he's the clear, if this was a normal PGA Tour event, I think at the moment he'd be the clear fourth favourite. He's the clear fourth best player in golf right now. And that's, you know, I think him or Cam Smith, they're, they're just some question marks. The big thing Cantley hasn't done is uh, produce regularly in majors. But there are two things I like about his majors profile. One, the closest he did come was here in 2019 when he hit the front. So he has hit the front on Sunday, which, as Dave said, Ram has not done. And the other is he played well at St. Andrews last year. And St. Andrews and Augusta have got this curious, but in some ways not curious relationship. Um, so much creativity required around the greens, I guess. And um, I really like that about Cantlay. So I think he's a potential Masters champion. He just needs to hold a few more putts than he has the last three tournaments. And he, he could have won all three but for the putter Ben uh, sorry Dave agree with Ben yeah I, I feel he, he he's becoming a bit of an annoyance to punters because I mean I put him up plenty of times for majors I'm sure Ben has but he, he went 12 majors from 19 2019 to 22 12 majors without even a top 10 I mean none of the that's ridiculous isn't it none of the other guys the big names have got a record like that and and yet and yet the most recent one, which Ben mentioned, St Andrews, he was eighth. So from having this really modest majors record, his last two major finishes, 14th in the US Open, eighth in the Open, they're the last two majors. Is he starting to crack the code maybe a little bit more? Is he a bit more comfortable? We'll see. Cameron Smith next up. Why Cameron, Ben, for the Masters? tell you why not if you like um why Cameron Smith because he's one of two players in the field with three top tens here in a row he's got magic yeah. hands he won at St Andrews as I just said that really correlates well with Augusta I said to you on the open podcast last summer that I think Smith is really dangerous when you've got courses where you can make six or seven birdies in a round um and it's not about necessarily avoiding the bogeys you've got to stack up birdies and, and swallow your medicine when it comes I think he had eight birdies in round one here last year which is crazy um the, there are some negatives I, I gather um, that he might have a bit of a, a wrist problem. Um, and I do think whatever they say, I, they'll definitely have a, a sort of chip on their shoulder, these live golfers. And I think maybe him and Patrick Reed will use that. Uh, but there's nothing like competition. Scheffler, Rahm and Rory have played against each other three times this year, is it? Uh, can't, Smith hasn't played a proper golf tournament since the Open. So, or well, since the Tour Championship. So, yeah, he's not for me, but obviously he's got all the course form you could ask for. Dave, Cameron Smith, is he for you? It's it's interesting. Had he in the in the trends, he, he he full marks in absolutely every category until the ones where I had to rank him for strokes gained around the green and strokes gained approach because he just doesn't appear in those lists because he's not there anymore. So how do you give him a mark? You couldn't give him a mark. If you were going on last season, you would have given him full marks in both, I think. So he's got the profile, but then how on earth do you equate where he is now and that lack of playing proper golf. I don't know. We'll see. Justin Thomas is interesting for me, Ben. I've tipped him. In the PGA. What about the Masters? Yeah, I've tipped him for each of the last five renewals of the Masters, Sarah. So it'd be fair to say that um, not only has that been frustrating, but I remain adamant that he is a Masters champion in the making. Um, I know he's just dropped out of the world's top 10. I know his approach play hasn't been the standards we expect, but he has all the experience in the bag. Let's not forget Bones. And I think there's an interesting angle here that Thomas potted well last year at Augusta. He hadn't done that before. And that was the first time he got Bones with him. That might have been a factor. The other thing is he's gone off a lot shorter. And this is the first time in five years that he's arrived having very recently won a major. So there's loads to like. There is no doubt that of all the players we've talked about to this point, 
um, maybe Bar Smith. His recent form has the biggest question mark, but he's finished outside the top 25 once this year. So he's not fallen off the face of the earth. Big chance. And at some stage, he will have a really good look at winning a Masters, whether he wins it or not. Just needs to get that putter hot. A streaky putter, as we know. Can he maintain it for the four rounds? Uh, Dave, for you, Thomas, for and against. Yeah, there's a, there's a feeling, I think, if you didn't look closely at his record, that it's just disappointing. You just say, well, it's not good enough, is it? Every year he turns up and he's a bit disappointing. But if you look at the last four from 2019, 12th, 4th, 21st, 8th. So if you were backing him each way 12 places, you would have landed your bet three times out of four. So even though you probably, when you back Thomas, you're thinking, well, I want him to win, basically. Um, how dare he not win? This is a disaster. He's not won. But if you're trying to pick off the each way price and he's drifted to an, sort of an acceptable each way price this year compared to other years, then he does have the form to do it. Um, so, so, yeah, even though I think there's other obvious winners, I think as an each way proposition, he's a good bet. Okay, sounds good. Morikawa, Ben, what do you like? What do you not like? Uh, I like the fact that he's the best iron player in the sport since Tiger Woods. I like the fact that he with Rory enjoyed that fabulous Sunday last year and, and showed that Augusta is a good fit, which I think all of us sort of think it is. Um, I don't like his lack of power relative. Let's not forget they've extended the 13th. I think for Morikawa with his fade off the tee, that hole is going to play seriously long um, and might be a layup. So there are little things like that, which worry me. The biggest though, although he actually does rank in the top 80 or so around the green, his chipping cost him in Hawaii and I just, I know he chipped in in Austin and his stats are okay, but when you need him to get up and down, I would really worry about that at the moment. Not just the chipping, but the putting, which we know comes and goes with him. I just think his short game will probably cost him. And if it doesn't, maybe 10 yards off the tee will. Dave, will it? Yeah, there's a few negatives, I think, for Morikawa. I think Ben's had lack of power. I mean, if, if you're trying to make him the sort of modern day Tiger Woods on some level. He just hasn't got... He's got the approach play, but he's not got the power off the tee. He's not got the mind. I mean, he, he blew a massive lead in, in Hawaii, didn't he, at the start of the year? Tiger wouldn't have done that. Um, I just think he will um, win another major or majors, but I just think this one could be the one that eludes him. I think I think good, but close, but no cigar. I think, I think fit is almost him maxing out, maybe. I don't know. I could see him... He'll probably clog up one of the each-way places, which might be a bit annoying for the each-way backers, but that's not not as a winner for me. I see, I see more likely others. Yeah. Okay, next in the betting, Jason Day. I like Day for the Masters. I liked him at the players as well. I like the way he's playing right now. Ben, what put forward Day's case. Yeah, I mean, the case for him is he's got a very good Masters record when he's been fit. I think his first three visits were second, withdrew third. Um, hits the ball high, hits it a long way. He's magnificent around the greens with a wedge in hand. He's 11 top 20s in his last 12 events or something along those lines. He's clearly back to form. His swing looks great. My, I have two issues, really. One is that it would be quite something to go and win the Masters when you haven't won anything in four years. Um, that, you know, I feel like he needed to just get that win in the bag earlier this season to really cross that bridge. He didn't exactly sound enamoured with his own swing uh, in Austin when he did play well. But the main thing for me is like when I look at that list, the fact we've mentioned him now because we're doing this in market order and the market fluctuates by the time people listen to this, it could have changed. We're mentioning him before Tony Finau and Will Zalatoris and Xander Schofle, um, and a few others who I think are just a bit better. 
So that's my bottom line, I guess. Okay. Dave, what about your for and against case for, or otherwise for Jason Day? Similarly, yeah, I just think the, the price is, he's been found too easily in the market. There's, there's too many people going, oh, Jason Day, but, you know, it wasn't much bigger price in his absolute pomp to win this. I mean, he's clearly not in his absolute pomp anymore. And if even he's saying he's got a few doubts still with the swing, maybe it could hold up for a while, but these things tend to get found out, don't they, on the back nine. So I just think, yeah, if he was, um, I don't know, 50 to one, you think, well, he's a value outsider, but he's absolutely up there, you know, near the top end. So just on price, he's not for me. Yeah. Okay. And then look, we've got Xander and Tony Finau next, pretty much the same price in the market at the time of recording. Uh, Ben, little line on both Xander and Tony. Yeah, uh, Xander hadn't really. Con- Xander's just what he is, isn't he? You can set your watch by him. He hadn't really contended anywhere this year until um, he was beaten by Rory in a very good game at the match play. That might be quite a nice preparation for him. We know he's um, had a good look at winning this. He was another of those who hit the front briefly in 2019. He's just rock solid. Sometimes I wonder what he's good at, um, and then I just think it's just golf, isn't it? He's just really good at golf. Um, very good. At- he is very good at golf. As for Finau, I think a lot of people will be surprised how far he is down the betting. I think when Finau was, you know, won three times in what six or seven starts the back end of last year, I think a lot of people backed him for the Masters then, possibly at shorter prices. And I sort of had to remind myself, well, yeah, okay, he's not won this year, he's not contended necessarily, but you go and look. I don't think he's been outside the top twenty-five. He's just played well every week. Um, he's good around the green. I, I think Finau is he's one of those. Who, Technically speaking, he improves in majors rather than his sort of baseline. So I I think he's a definite shortlist material. I think if you bet in 12 places and you're getting something 28 to 1 or bigger, I, I think you have to consider Finau very strongly. Without doubt, he's one of my each way picks for the Masters. Uh, loves the loves the major test, loves the tough golf courses. And am I right? You saw about his Masters record there? I, I get him three top 10s in his Masters career. Yeah, no miscuts, and yeah. yeah, a bit like Justin Thomas's record, actually. Yeah. Um, and and of course, let's not forget in 2019 he he played alongside Tiger in that final group, learned a lot that day, and since then he's what's he won four times since then. He's he's put that question to bed. I'd yeah. love to see him dancing in a green jacket. Be fun, wouldn't it? Little little social media um, escapade with a bit of a viral TikToking. I'm sure. Uh, Dave, what about you, Xander and Tony? Yeah, again, I can see them both finishing in the places. Um, Shuffle was third in the trend, so obviously he's got the right profile. Uh, Finau, yeah, that, that thing Ben said, I mean, at the moment, there's two things with Finau at the Masters. There's the one he played with Tigers, the other one when he dislocated his ankle in the Par 3 tournament. <laughs> and then Still makes me wince. Yeah, and yeah. then he went on to finish 10th on one leg sort of thing. So, um I mean, if you've seen the full swing documentary as well, um, I wasn't enamoured by the whole project, but I think uh, I've discussed this with Ben. The Tony Fino episode is a lovely one. What a lovely guy. So that would that would be really good. And yeah, so, since um, in other Masters appearances, the, the big doubt has been, well, yeah, Tony, he's good, but he never wins, does he? Well, now he does win. Yeah. So yeah, he could be a decent price. Nice guys do win. Tony would be, without doubt, one of the most popular winners, wouldn't he, if he were to slip on that green jacket. Guys, good stuff. That's a look at sort of the favourites in the betting, uh, the top 10. Um, we're just about out of time, so we're just going to do a little summary at the end just to remind listeners um, your, your kind of best fancies, your best pick, your favourite to land 
uh, the Masters. But I do want to get a long shot from you. Where's where's the value in the betting as it stands right now? A couple of names to potentially uh, look out for. Ben, I'll come back to you for this. So I think if you're looking at bigger prices, I think you have to have a look look at Minwoo Lee, who um, played really well on debut here and contended for the Players' Championship. I think when we're talking, as Dave correctly pointed out, how important strokes gain around the green is, um, Minwoo Lee around the greens is so, so good, uh, chipping from tight lies. So that's going to be a real asset for him, um, his, impro- his improvement with his approaches as well. Uh, you know, there might be an argument the price has gone a bit, but he's definitely one you have to consider. I think Ryan Fox is another you have to consider. He's just so solid. And I think, Playing well at Bay Hill and, and the Players' Championship and being unlucky at the match play to, to be eliminated, he, he couldn't do anything about it after someone else withdrew. Um, I think he probably has got enough belief now that he is good enough to go and win a Masters. It is his debut. Is he going to be the first debut winner since Fuzzy Zeller? I doubt it, um, but he might give you a really good run for your money. And in terms of those statistical categories, again, just one other name for the radar, I think, is Tommy Fleetwood. Um, I I like the sort of preparation he's had. He, he could have won the Valspar, which kind of reminded me a bit of Patrick Reed, who could have won the Valspar and then did win the Masters. Uh, he was in contention at Sawgrass as well. There are some question marks, which is why he's the price he is. Uh, but in terms of strokes gain around the green and strokes gain approach, he's one of four players who are in the top 25 for both of those. Clearly around the green is a big strength. He's shot 66 here a couple of times. He's He's got loads of experience at Augusta. I, I think we'll see him on the leaderboard at some stage. So there's some I'm, I'm still juggling with a little bit. Um, I really hope it could be Rory's year, um, but further up the market, you know, Justin Thomas is, is certainly on the shortlist with Patrick Cantley as well. Six names there. Hopefully Rory's the one who wins and it's nice and simple. <laughs> there we go. And Dave, to you, just a reminder in terms of your, I guess your favourite, your your winner's pick for the week, but a couple of a couple of long shots, a couple of names for, for listeners to um, just to be aware of for the week. Yeah, obviously, if if nearly if should have won the Valspar's a, a good pointer, then that brings in Spieth again. So obviously, I, I, I like him. Um, I agree with Ben about Minwoo Lee. They what a bit forgotten last year. He came home in forty and still finished fourteenth. He shot that amazing thirty, didn't he, on the front nine? It, if he had just parred in from the tenth, I think he would have finished about sixth or seventh, which would have got you the each way money. So he, he's one to look at. Did really well at Sawgrass. We're talking about strokes gain approach. You look at that list and you expect to scroll up and see Colin Morikawa num- number one there. Morikawa is number two. Number one in that list is Tom Hoagie. So he's an, he's an outsider that interests me because um, he played really well at the players as well. Made his Masters debut here last year, 39th. And I think he finished double bogey bogey. So it could have been you know, near a 20th. So he's he's someone at a big price, someone, you know, you could look at those 12 each way places and think maybe uh, he could he could um, make an impression. The only other massive price one I've got a little thing for is Cameron Champ. Now he's he's had three good masters, basically, three really good masters, 10th last year, which gets him back in. The the problem is around the greenway looks terrible on the stats, but there's actually been a bit of an uptick in his form in his in his scrambling from close range. So he's, he's got all the big hitting, hasn't he? So he, he's just someone, again, you could be so happy you'd, you'd taken those 12 places if he just comes in 12th unnoticed. So, okay, yeah, he'd, yeah, he'd be another one for me. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. And, yeah, Hoagie, Ben, you had him at the players, didn't you? 
No, he was uh, on my shortlist and eliminated from it. So uh, that, that's how the players went for me. But he was... Oh, um, <laughs> no, no, it's all right. You'd struggle to name a golfer. I've not got bad memories of at some stage. So, um, But yeah, he's definitely one of those. He's, he's, he's the sort of quiet, rock-solid golfer of the PGA Tour. And it should be said, a lot of those hit the frame in the Masters. Um, I, I think the list of potential winners is really small, but the list of players who could nick that 11th or 12th place is, is obviously much longer. I think just just too quickly in the in the in the sort of mid range maybe Justin Rose is what who won at Pebble Beach. He's obviously got great history here. Yeah, maybe like back that. maybe backing for first round leader. Um, he's got an obscene record in the first round leader, hasn't he? I think he's led four times and placed like five others. Yeah. It's just yeah, crazy. Brilliant. I mean, it's yeah. probably a case of getting on too late if you start backing him now. But yeah, I, I agree with Rose. I think um, he's probably been thinking only about Augusta since he won at Pebble Beach. Yeah, and the and the other one that I think might be under the radar a bit, he's playing in um, in Texas this week is Hideki Matsuyama. I don't know whether because I'll be in Japan for the Masters, so I don't know whether that's making my thinking going that way, and I'll be uh, more excited to check in on him. But he finished really well at the Players, didn't he? Top five, I think, at the Players before his win a couple of years ago. Um, he got a good Masters record. And if you look at it, we were saying before, defending is difficult. But I think when you come back the next year, say like with Bubba, people who have won it and then come back in two years' time, it's like they've worked all out, worked it out a little bit, that they're happier where they are. So I think Matsuyama could be a price. Maybe on the ex- I think on the exchanges, he's about 55. I think that could be a decent bet because he's, he's a potential winner. Fantastic. Guys, been a pleasure as always, Dave. Keep that Lucky Masters T-shirt on for the, uh, for the duration of the tournament. There we go. Lovely. Um, Yeah, guys, good stuff. It's been a pleasure. Uh, And you all listening, enjoy the Masters. Remember to please gamble responsibly. Should be a great week at Augusta National. And we will all uh, see you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.